Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I am joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How was your Monday? Wonderful, Mr. Rogers. There is, um, this is, I'm coming off of a weekend for the Galloping Ghost trip. So um, I want to say I'm exhausted, but I, I had a had the exhausted yesterday. So I got home and, hmm. um, you know, left early in, or early-ish in the morning and got home around noon, a little afternoon. Um, so I, I had the, let's be exhausted all the whole day thing and got plenty of rest. So I'm, I'm pretty good, uh, today, you know, and, uh, had a good time this weekend though. Uh, this was just a short trip. It was, um, since Sydney's going to go, going away for the summer here, uh, I wanted to make sure we got in some, we're doing as much stuff as we can. And, um, we planned a trip up here and not a lot of people could go this weekend because it was right after Easter. Um, but so sure. we just went up there to visit Troy, our buddy Troy, and we all went to the ghost and spent all day there. Um, re- really, really cool. It, it's amazing how many times I go to that place and they continue to open up more rooms. It's it's like how much can hmm. you have, you know? Because there's like a in the past they used it as a um, there were they well when it was just when the galloping ghost opened it was just one big room type thing and then they. They bought the Chinese restaurant next door because it's on a connected building. And then they right. they built it. They opened, knocked out all the walls and built it into there. And then they opened, they, um, there was a yoga studio next, you know, connected next door to it. And then they bought that one and opened it up. And they used it. They would use, like, say, the yoga store for uh, machine repair for a long time. And then you go back next year and they've oh, yeah. bought a, they bought a, uh, a building, a block down. And now that's their machine repair place. And they put more machines into that space so it's just i mean i'm just always stunned at like they open up this whole thing <laughs> and there's another 50 that's more games that's my memory of being in new orleans mm-hmm. um i was in new orleans for a week uh with my at the time co-workers oh it's probably over 10 years ago now um and it's just a very old town right with a as as they learned it what like 2005 2008 whenever that was um there's not a lot of good land in mm-hmm. that area yeah. it's it's you know there's the old town the french quarter as they call it and the rest of it is like swamp that they sort of built up and tried to tried to make and so they're definitely like this was true in our hotel right it's a nice hotel one of the kind of mid to high and chains but i could go down the hallway and go well this was obviously two buildings because there's a step here in the floor for no reason right it's like where these were two buildings and they knocked out this wall to make a hallway between them but the floors the like second third floor don't line up quite right (laughs) that's funny or um we went to this famous piano bar that it had some irish name that i'm now completely blanking on but it had multiple big rooms and you could go through and go, this is almost the entire block. And it's clearly not one space. Like mm-hmm, this was mm-hmm. a bunch of different businesses and this one like O'Malley's or something has expanded to cover almost this entire city block. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's on, that's on how Urban street. That's how the ghost does. And, and now, now they, they have the entire building, which goes up at least half a block and, one the last business that they bought now I can, you can look in the window and see that they've got their 
they're remodeling it. So they're going to open up um, next time I'll go. They'll have probably another, uh, the last final opening room uh, for it. The, um, that business is so interesting. Um, the guy that owns it's name's doc Mac. He, um, it's in Brookville. It's in, for those who know, it's a, a arcade that has over now over 850 arcade games in it. Everything you can imagine they've got. Um, but he, he started this thing called galloping ghost and then he like three blocks down, he bought another building and opened up pinball, put pinball machines in there. So you can go in there and, and get all day access for the arcade game or pay, you know, pay $5 more. And you can also get access to all the pinball machines three blocks down. So you kind of walk down. Um, and then he bought another building next to that one and opened up a gym, like a workout gym. And it's okay. galloping ghosts like Jim or something. And then he bought an, uh, another block the other way, bought a an old automobile repair place and has galloping ghost auto repair. So he has, in, and also he, like, he built another big complex that I built, but he bought another big complex. It's called galloping ghost productions, which is just um, arcade repair. So not only does he, re- he needed it to re- repair all of his machines, but now everybody from all around the world sends him machines to repair. So it's like a super business, but now Brookville, Illinois has just like five galloping ghost businesses within a five block radius. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. He's like, he's, he's setting up his own little borough there. In Chicago. For sure. The, the thing about Brookville, the way I understand it, I read an article about it was that um, he wanted to open up this arcade, but the Chicago tax laws are written such that that follows under the purview of games which is the same as gambling. casinos yeah, yeah, and gambling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he couldn't go to Chicago proper because it was ex- very expensive and people can't open up our arcades or any kind of game thing uh, in Chicago because of these Mm-mm. draconian laws. Uh, but Brookville, Illinois, which is a kind of a, a subsidy next to right next to attached to Chicago. Um, Suburb, yeah. yeah. They were like, we'll do it and we'll give you tax breaks. Just no big deal. So he loved it, loved the city. They loved him. He brings in a ton of, you know, tourism to him. Um, so I don't yeah. know. I don't know what this is like on other uh, perimeters of the city because uh, Chicago. Um, if you don't, people don't know, which I can't imagine too many of our listeners don't. But the northeast side of Chicago is bordered by Lake Michigan, mm-hmm. and the east border of Chicago. There's probably towns in between, but. Um, the the metro area of Chicago is bordered by Indiana. Yeah. The whole rest of the perimeter, the outline of Chicago is all Illinois. Right. You can get up to Wisconsin, but that's probably forty minutes to an hour from the north suburbs of Chicago. Right. But if you go right over the border, I assume it's right over the border. There's a casino. There's at least one, and probably a couple now, mm-hmm. right over the border because of the difference in gambling laws between Illinois and Indiana. Yeah, I think I think there's there's gambling allowed in Chicago now because I'm pretty sure I saw a casino when I was there, driving driving through. Yeah, and it could be, you know, it could be more complicated, right, than just like it's allowed here and it's not allowed here, right? Like there mm-hmm. are there's a bunch of stuff like that. If you go if you cross borders between states, sometimes it's about you know whether something's allowed in the state, like states that have decriminalized or or legalized. Um, cannabis and marijuana mm-hmm. or 
fireworks and tobacco yeah. is usually a thing. I know yeah. um, when my grandparents were living and my grandma still smoked, she would pick up cartons of cigarettes in Indiana, um, both for herself and like her neighbors, uh, because they are like a fraction of what they cost in the Chicago area. Right. Um, and, and to a lesser extent in suburbs of Illinois because the taxes are higher. Right? Yeah. Um, it's not, not complicated. So, so he, he, uh, anyway, he, he's built there. I guess that was a long short of it. And, and it's really kind of cool. And we, we go walking around, check. We've got our favorite little eateries that we'll eat stuff there. Um, so we do, we started this thing a while back where, uh, we have basically a traveling trophy, Galloping Ghost Arcade trophy for our, our friend group. And um, when we go up there, as long as there's two or more, then the trophy is up for grabs. You know, e- even if the, the person who went last time okay. who's holding the sure. trophy isn't there, it still has to be delivered to the other person who wins it. It's like it's like our uh, fantasy football trophy yes. that, that Captain Chris made a few years ago. Yes. with a, It's some, some normal trophy that he ripped the top off of and glued a... Uh, a Funko Pop, uh, Andrew Luck on top of. Oh, and this is when I got I got from a trophy shop and had them made with like got the nice. engraving and stuff. But the uh, um, so yeah, it's uh, I was the last winner of it. The way it works is that um, there's f- five games that get played. Um, the current, if there's the current winner there, he gets to pick um, two of them, and then everybody else gets to pick one a game any, of okay. all the 850 games. And the only criteria sure. is that it has to have a high score to it, and sure. you can only play on one life. Um, so okay. you, and then you, how it works is that there's a Discord channel, and you take a picture of the screen to then post it to the Discord channel, and then um, uh, the, if you have the highest score, you get three points. If you have the second highest score, you get two points. If you have the third highest score, you get one point, and then no one else gets any points for that that game. And at the end, whoever has the most points wins the trophy. Um, now I forget. I'm, I'm I'm sure you've told me this mm-hmm. before. Do they do the standard quarter things in the quarter readers, or do they do tokens? No, or, no, no. It's um, it's a it's some a kind of pass. It's a it's a free to play system. So uh, you go in and pay twenty dollars. Now they just up the price to twenty five dollars. But you pay twenty five dollars, and you get to play all the games all day for free. No tokens, no nothing. You go up to the game. Way it works is that. Where next to the quarter slots, there's a red button on the front, and you just press the button, okay. and it puts like like it's putting quarters in. Oh, sure, it just triggers that yeah. mechanism. So is it like a, um, like you have to pay to get in? Yeah, yeah. So you sort you, of? you walk in, and there's yeah. the the counter, and you pay twenty five dollars, and you're in. Um, and you can always come out and leave. You've got to show your receipt when you come back in. Uh, so it's all day. Um. Which is and you go out eat eat dinner whatever come back and then just show them your receipt and you you walk in and it's all the probably games probably easier than the than the Dave and Buster's style like card oh. card reader well don't thing. don't you have to like pay money to on to play games yeah there? it's yeah. like it's like you charge a card and then you swipe that card on the machine uh, I think most casinos work this way now too yeah. um, although they're probably integrated with apps. I know that was a thing that I was a little worried about when I went on the road because I saw, you know, some of the one of the YouTubers that I follow, um he said that the, the, the this is the context of laundry, right? Cuz laundry laundromats, laundry machines 
used to take quarters and actually used one about a month ago that still does take quarters. Mm. Um, that's what I had in college. And, um, but at the time that he was making this video, they used these swipe cards like Dave and Buster's or, or casinos or whatever. Mm -hmm. And everybody had a different system. So he had this like stack of half an inch tall of, of you know, what looked <laughs> like, what looked like credit cards, yeah. it's the same technology as credit cards. Right, yeah. And, you know, he would try them at a new place to see like, do they use the same system? You know, cause he, you have to charge them, right? You right. have to put 20 bucks on them or whatever to go. And then now he's got a card with like $6 oh, left on that's it. That's why those systems he, are, those systems so lucrative. he's done. Yeah. Um, and, and I get it like it's easier for the, for the venue, for the store, than dealing with quarters and quarter readers and taking them to the bank. Well, they make a that. ton of money. Like, like I said, they, they'll a lot of times those places will charge. Let's say they'll charge a um, ninety-five cents instead of a dollar for a game, and then you're stuck with a sure. nickel. You can't use nickels, right? A little credit on your on your thing. But most of the now it helps that I'm pretty much exclusively staying in RV parks in a network. Mm -hmm. And so even though the, they have, like, different rules, there are a lot of things that are consistent across the board. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, one of them had laundry machines that used quarters. And I was like, well, I'm glad that I went to a car wash thing that needed quarters and still have a bunch of quarters in my car. <laughs> yeah. That's, and, and, it's, and it's cheaper, right? The yeah. machines. Um, but now they use... And I've only had to sign up for two different apps, which is nice. I There's one of the apps... I've been able to use at at least three different RV parks, which was really nice, um, you know, because then I don't have a unused credit on my on my account. Mm. They're they've got little boxes on the machines, and they're connected via Wi-Fi to something. You scan a QR code, you install an app, you create an account. Like it's, I don't know if it's more of a hassle than using the cards, but on my phone and if it's at multiple locations or for me if i circle around and i'm going to be at that park again i'm like well whatever i'll use the credit in a month or whatever um and those are nice because they have features that well for one i don't have to carry cards around yeah like yes i have another app on my phone but it's whatever that's to me still better than having a card that i might lose oh, or totally. i have to yeah. keep somewhere um it takes up space and yeah and because the the boxes that scan, you know, that connect to your phone or you scan the, the QR code on there, because they're connected devices, it'll show you in the app whether there are machines in use. Oh, so nice. I don't have to, if I'm in walking distance to the laundry room, I can just pull up the app and go, oh, there are six machines and only two of them are open. That means there's probably people in there, these you know, this is not like a laundromat, right? It's a campground yeah. thing. You know, they might have four of each machine, right? Right. And so if if half of them are busy or over half of them are busy, there's at least one, maybe two other people in there trying to deal with their stuff and fold laundry. And I'm like, I'll just wait until it's quiet. Sure. And, oh, look, all the machines are empty. Now I can haul my stuff up there. And That's really nice. Because, of course, the, you know, a machine being free doesn't mean that it's free it right. just means it's done the cycle's done the person might not be there to pick i don't know i don't I'm not i didn't mean to go off on laundry for a <laughs> for a whole big thing well, the, but the, it's, it's um, actually good i to... had another 
I had another question about your yeah. your your thing. You said that they. I feel like I remember you saying this at some point because this is one of your perennial activities. Mm-hmm. Um, that they reset the high scores. You're t- so so. You and your friends are competing with each other's with each high other's. scores, yes. not not the high score on the box. Oh, God no, hell no, 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 <laughs> no. The the uh, they they do have uh, on every game above at the top of the game they have a card on it that says uh what the what the galloping ghosts high score is like who has scored that in the galloping ghosts and what the world high score is for that game okay uh, wow. so you can see that um and mm-hmm. but no it, they do they do re, when they turn the 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 power off at night they all do get reset so you can oh. you know for for the day you could actually have your your name in the in the computer of it yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah, you, if you want to actually beat the high score, you know, it's <laughs> that it, reminds me of uh, that reminds me of Black Desert Online. I don't know if you got into that part of the game. Um, you played that game, yeah, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. Black, Black Desert. It has no level caps, yeah, right? Right. And so you can just keep leveling up both your character or your cooking or like culinarian. They called yeah, it in yeah. that game because weird. Korean translations, um, you could just keep leveling that up forever. Right. And then the, like, I think it's the top three of any given thing would have a little badge on their name. And it was always live, like currently logged in. Mm. So I did a bunch of trade skill stuff instead of, um, you know, actually fighting monsters and stuff. I do cooking and all of that stuff. And so if I logged on like right after maintenance or something when the servers went down and everybody got kicked, because that's also a game you could idle. Yeah. Right. You just stay on fishing 24 hours a day whenever you weren't playing. Right. And so everybody would get kicked off and I'd come on and I would be the number one highest level cook (laughs) on the server for like 30 minutes. Right. And then somebody else would log and I'd get bumped down to rank two. And I'm like, (laughs) oh, there's somebody here who's been playing this game for three years and <laughs> right. you know, I'll, I'll never catch up with them. <laughs> but for that little moment of glory you had there. Yeah. Know. That's like your daily high score reset. You're like, Oh, I got here. You know, I came yes. here on my way to work and I got the high score. It'll be gone by lunch. But for now, but for now, for yeah. That, that, brief shining moment. I'm the number one Miss Pac-Man player. I, I, I won't Galva say that Ghost. that's, that's, that isn't true. Cause that is very true. How, how we, we were it, the, the, the kind of a neat thing about it too, is that um, when we do this competition, uh, we actually, we'll, ch- we'll choose five games. There's 850 games plus in that arcade. So, you know, sure. There's a lot, but we we kind of hit these ones hard during that time. Where the you know whoever of our friend groups there are playing it, so that reset the high score often is one of us, or or the high score board mm. is most of us. And I've got a picture which Sid and I like a lot now is that uh, she and I have all of the the high scores on asteroids, <laughs> and, and it's like that's really that's really kind of neat, you know that that this, this is just us. Or we walked up to. Sid and I were, were walking around looking at game to play, and we saw this really interesting one. And we, just, I can't remember the name of it because uh, there's just so many weird ones. And we started playing it, and you know, she sat down and started playing playing it more than me. Um, and she's like, "Oh, I, I got a high score there." I clicked the thing, and then she got second place. And we saw that number one was Wiz W I Z, and that's Troy's name. And we're like, "Oh, Troy had been playing this <laughs> and got got the top spot on that." So that that was pretty neat. 
Um, so that's fun. so you can do that. So anyway, I, I don't want to go into it because I have talked about Galloping Ghost in the past. I, I don't say this this time was um, the five games were Super uh, Super Puzzle Fighter Two Turbo Edition, which is like it's just that's one. There's no other words. edition. There's just that game. Um, sure, and it's pretty cool. Um, and then there was uh, Asteroids. Sydney picked Asteroids this year, like the original one. Um, little triangle. Yeah, yeah, the little triangle uh, shooting thing. Um, yeah. Asteroids, mm-hmm. Super Puzzle Fighter Two Turbo, um, Burger Time. I don't know if you remember that that yep. game, Burger Time, make burgers like thing. Um, it's kind of like a Donkey Kong esque ish thing. Um, yep, yep. And it's Phoenix. I had never played it, but Troy picked it. It's kind of a Galaga esque game, but um, I did not like it's based it. on the X Men. Uh, movie. Right, I, I wish it was. It was worse. It was just a terrible, terrible game. Um, <laughs> like it's one of those ones where like aliens are at the top of the screen and you're a ship at the bottom shooting up at them, right? Yeah, and they come down randomly at you, um, like a Space Invaders type thing. Space Invaders. I'm like, why am I blanking? Yeah, Space Invaders was the, fir- the first one. Later on, they, they make it more like instead of them just marching down, you know, at, on a pattern, they will like fly down. As Galaga is the one that's, like Galaga. Yeah, that, yeah, that is yeah. the one that's known for that. So this is just like that, except it has a terrible, terrible mechanic that when you get down to like the last two aliens on the board, they fly all over mm-hmm. the screen faster than you can move. The Their sure. bullets go faster than you can move and your bullets go slower than they can actually go or I mean, than they, than they move. So move you're faster than your bullets. Yeah. yeah you're just like, straining to try and move and hope that they run into your thing. Cause they're not on patterns. It's like a random movements that they do. Hmm. So when you, sh- you're not actually skilled to shoot the bullet up in the air and you're like, Oh, I got him because he's going across the screen. No, you just shoot it up and hope he runs into your bullets type stuff. Spray and pray kind of. Yeah. It, I mean, 100% no skill involved at all. Um, the worst part about that game was that the galloping ghost has one room. It's a big, long rectangular room. And it has all those kind of games in it, right? Like, they're all tight together. There's, like, 50 of them at least. But okay. that room, for some reason, has the worst air conditioner, and it's always, like, swelteringly hot. Um, huh. Obviously, for having 850 games in a building, it, it's going to build up tons of heat. <laughs> right, 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 sure. Um, and they've got most of it all ventilated. They've been working on it all the years to get it more and more cooled down and AC and such. Uh, it's wonderful in the winter to go. Uh, but that room just is a piece of poo. And so when we when Troy picked that one, we don't know where they're at. These games are located. We pick them before we go. Um, and that was in that room. And the three of us who were playing it were like, I got a score. I'm not going back in that room type thing. You know, um, mm. it was just anyway, it's not a fun game in a hot sweat box was no good. And the last yeah. one was a game called Tapper. It's believe it or not, it's kind of a Budweiser sponsored game. It's it's that beer game from from Wreck It Ralph. Exactly, that's exactly what it is. It's um, it's the real version of that game. I've never been to Galloping Ghost, but I went to an arcade. I'm sure I talked about this one of the prior times you talked about Galloping Ghost. I went to an arcade in Chicago, somewhere in the Lincoln Park area, um, when I was in the city for a friend's bachelor party, mm-hmm. and I definitely played that game. I was like, oh, it's the beer. Thing from Wreck It Ralph, I'm gonna play that. It's great. Like the yeah, there's like there's like Budweiser ads all in the game. Oh yeah, yeah. And and you like to pour the beer. You it's a tap. It's like a a tap tapper, like a a beer thing. 
pull the handle yeah. and slide it and yeah. slide it down. Yeah. That's, it's really kind of fun. Um, so yeah, we, we play those games and, um, I, I won this year again, so I, I'm a repeat champion. Um, I, I think I nice. got first in all, but the one I really wanted to, to, to be good at, which was the puzzle fighter game. Um, so I set for a good two hours of that puzzle fighter game. and could not beat Troy score. The, the fun thing about it is that some of these games are kind of fun passively, like asteroids. You play it once, then you walk away, right? It's not a big sure. deal. But if you have a friendly competition, you actually sit down and want to get better because you've got to beat that score, right? Sure. So that, that adds a whole different, you know, dynamic to the game where we're all we're all sitting around and then and then afterwards when we walk away we talk about the the techniques and tricks we did on silent scope to shoot right you know to make sure that you aim correctly mm. or something like oh yeah yeah right. i got to that stage and etc cetera, etc cetera, which is something new you can do um being the last thing i want to say on this topic with, with this um galloping ghost is because it's not like the card thing that you had mentioned because you're not paying for a stuff you do a lot of things like walk up to a game and say, huh, what's this? Start, play, okay, play it for like a minute and a half. I'm like, this is boring. And then just walk away. Like it's still mm. there and it just, it just right. bad. Or when I was playing like Tetris, oh, I messed that up and just like p- press down and then let it, let it all die and then start again. You know, because it doesn't cost anything to just restart. I, I think I asked this the first time you described this arcade. But did they have any of the very old mechanical games? Some, some they do. Do you know what I mean by that? I, I, I do. Um, that actually, my, my only, uh, I've talked about this before because I was too cheap to get into arcades as a kid and also didn't have any friends into it to mm-hmm. intrigue me. But when I was a teenager, we went to Cedar Point and one of their arcades has like newer games in the front. And the further back you go, you find older and older stuff from before. There were TV screen, you know, CRT screens mm-hmm. in them, and it's kind of like the um, the shooting gallery in Back to the Future Three. Yeah, right, where he's shooting an actual, well, like um, like carnival games, except there's no people, everything's automatic, and you do, you know, there's like a helicopter on a stick with an actual propeller that like moves it, and you, uh, you know, spin it around to try and shoot. It's just it's flashing lights and um and stuff like that. They, they, those always seem cool to me. They that, they do they do have some of those. Antique way. They they do have some of those. Now the, the the problem with those is that they don't they don't last, meaning that like yeah. there's not many out there anymore because they just the parts have worn out because they're mechanical. Right? Yeah, they're like a hundred years old almost. Yeah, and, and the the uh, the cases. chances that any of those parts survived to working condition is super rare. And then if they have, people want thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars for them. Of course. Right. So they're, they're very hesitant to, and then what happens is that when you get them into a place like this, people are, you now have to be the maintenance person of that. Yeah. People play them and then they break and you're like, Oh, where am I going to find this part? Right. And, and he has obviously mentioned earlier in the show here, he's got, um, galloping ghost productions, which is a, a, a workshop that makes arcade parts, but still, you're you have to fabricate like it's kind of like it's why pinball machines aren't you don't see them often every part of a pinball machine is unique to the pinball machine Mm. and and so supporting those is very very expensive 
Um, so sure. you won't you won't see a whole lot of pinball arcades anymore for that very reason. Or when you do, the pinball machines that work are are extremely expensive. So it's all like cost prohibitive type stuff. But he does have sure. a few of those. I remember he had the um, the arm wrestling one, which was a, it looked like a robotic arm, and you wrestled it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember coming on a Saturday one time and seeing a bunch of like. 20 year olds trying to break the thing basically. And you're like, yeah, see, this is yeah. why it cost him, you know, $6,000 and the kids are just going to break it. Um, I know the arcade I went to had almost a whole room that was just pinball. Um, but that definitely makes sense that like the parts wear out and yeah, that's, that's probably... why he has a separate location. That's just pinball and you pay an extra fee mm-hmm. to go into that one. Okay. Uh, and, and they're great. They're there. I mean, there are some really Really cool pinball machines. Um, unfortunately, yeah. that building also had a problem with their AC, so it was swelteringly hot. I, we hardly <laughs> got. We usually spend a lot of time over in the pinball machine, but man, I I was getting headache and stressed, like stress headaches you, and shoulders. And I was like, you should have gone. You should have gone today and yesterday instead of over the weekend. Oh, because right, we had this freak cold snap here. Oh my gosh, it would have been wonderful. Let me tell you, the. Uh, my favorite game there it used to be a game called aliens which was like based off the show it was a really good game pinball game uh but mm-hmm. elvira is a game i wish i could play i did take a a, a bunch of snapshots of games that i play new games that i've played there at the ghost and i'm hoping to find emulators for them because they looked really really cool and they were fun to play um so but you you just can't play everything forever uh too, right. too many games so anyway I've, let's, let's I've, I've i've probably asked this too but have you ever considered buying an arcade machine or or getting a one of those mame they used to call i, I absolutely I have they still do yeah like an like an emulator cabinet basically you could play all it's yes. not as cool looking of course as having a genuine golden tea or whatever in mm-hmm. your in your basement but you I, could play more games i can't it. see myself in my life not having one at some point uh it's obviously it's all about location like if i have space or some place to put it sure sure um, and, and you know i'm living with shell right now so it's yeah you you yeah. you kind of missed the chance when you were the only adult only in the adult house, in the house could, right yeah that's... you could do that without uh without having to sell your partner on it but yeah uh... yeah that's that's a double thing but i i definitely would want one and you're right uh it, it for all the reasons you just said i would love to have like an authentic mortal Kombat 2k you know or three arcade cabinet and the thing but honestly i would probably just have an a main emulator type thing um with a, a nice to have all the a games. really nice monitor mounted in it you know with a with awesome modern joystick i'll tell you stuff. i'll tell you the closest version i have to that because again i'm not an arcade guy and it's not something i would do now because i live in a camper mm-hmm. but i always thought it would be cool to have one of those um jukeboxes yeah yeah. maybe maybe the ones with cds that i remember from my Mm -hmm. teenage years but but even even cooler ones are like the Wurlitzers or whatever that used 45 lps oh yeah those are the cool ones and they're they're just on a big record and the you can do that now because they sell that stuff still now they've all it's all made yeah like like vinyl came back in the in the late aughts early 2010s yeah and so i'm sure that there are like brand new versions of those you know the arm puts it down like on uh uh, uh the intro to happy days oh yeah and yeah. just have like go to the record stores and just and just flip through the 45s to find all your favorite singles um of whatever and just have those in your like 
game room, your rec room or whatever, um, I think would be super cool. I, I totally agree. I, th- I think that would be super neat. Um, the, but as, as we just mentioned, it's all about space, right? Like how, how do you, yeah. I, I watched about a month ago, I watched an episode of Archer and they go to Pam's ha- uh, house and Archer's like, I got to see whatever Pam's house looks like. And it's this really cool brick <laughs> warehouse type thing. And she's got like rows of pinball machines and arcade games and it all sp- spread out. I was like, now that's really cool. If I had a space, like a hu- it's like one big open loft type thing. And I was like, right. that's cool. And, and of course, Archer's comment is like, I can't believe how cool this place is. I never would have thought this. But um, <laughs> when I saw her her room, I was like, that's, yeah, that's, that's, a, a that's always what there. they do. They do with Pam, right? Where yeah. like she's secretly doing Tokyo Drift with the Yakuza or <laughs> she's something amazing, in a random right, yeah. episode. Yeah, she she's you, absolutely you, amazing. you said that big open space, and I'm picturing uh, because I remember I know you said that you watched Big. Within the last week, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I picture that loft that he buys with all the like basketball stuff. And oh, right, right, yeah, man, I, I forgot I watched that show last week too. I put that on. <laughs> I did, I did watch it. Okay, so we've talked about it, enough about the ghost. I, I really didn't need to talk too much about that, but it was fun. It was a fun time. Um, it came back and it was it rained all the way. It was terrible weather, but wonderful weather up there. Uh, okay, what do we got this week, Dennis? On our on our list of things to do. Um, we've got some, well, we got our movie. Uh Um, we've got the usual TV shows. Um, I watched a movie and I'm reading a book, um, called the big sleep. It's uh, it's noir film, noir and book noir, whatever you call noir fiction. (laughs) Um, I did something that I haven't done in, Jeez, 20 years, over 20 years, I got a library card. Whoa, you don't even, yeah, you don't even yeah. live in an area. How can you get a library I, card? I know, I know. Well, you know, I have a mailing address that I use <laughs> in my parents' house in Bedford. <laughs> okay. And so I went, to, I went to the Bedford Public Library, and the counter is very low. I didn't say this to the librarians, but I was like, this must be a counter that children can reach right <laughs> but i was like i was like why is this counter down here it's like the opposite of a bar but um i got the card so that i could use the two and there's maybe a third app but i have the two main apps that people use with libraries i don't know if this is a thing people know about libraries but most decent pub, you know decent sized public libraries uh use these apps um one is called libby L-I-B-B-Y, like library, but, you know, like the name. And the other is Hoopla, like like a whole lot of Hoopla. Okay. Um, H-O-O-P-L-A. And you sign up for them using your physical library card. You tell them, you know, you, you get on the app and you say, here's my library, here's my library card. And it connects you to the, and it's a weird thing where, um, oh, whatever, I'm jumping ahead. You use the app to borrow, just like at, a, at the physical library, yeah. to borrow ebooks and audiobooks. Okay. And you do borrow them. Like, uh, Kindle has some features like this um, in the early, not early days of Kindle, but when Kindle was just a couple years old, um, you could loan books between people, right? Like email the book to your friend mm-hmm. and they could read it for a while and then send it back to you, whatever. And, you know, communities would 
form up around like doing that between strangers. Yeah. Right. Because you're like, oh, well, I have this and I want to read this, but I don't want to buy my own copy. Like swap. Because I'm just going to read it. Right. And it's kind of like swap meets. And there are things like Kindle Unlimited and um, things that sort of work that way now where you check a book out of Kindle Unlimited and then give it back. But the way that it works with um, Libby and Hoopla, they also will connect with the Kindle app on your phone. So I borrowed The Big Sleep from the library huh. in ebook version. And they still have an inventory, which is weird because they're ebooks. But sure, I get sure. how it works for yeah. like Monetary licensing, reasons, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. The publisher is like, well, we're not going to give you infinite copies of these because we still want enough scarcity for people to buy it yes. if they really want it. Correct. If it's really popular or whatever. But, and, and I don't know, I'm sure there's some relationship with like, because, you know, the, in their act, on their actual shelves, I'm sure they have one copy of The Big Sleep. And so if somebody has it, you have to wait. Um, you know, if it's not something new, I almost said like Harry Potter. That tells you how long <laughs> it's been since I actively used the physical library. Um, you know, they have a dozen copies or something, maybe fewer. And so I checked that out. It sends it to my Kindle and now I can read it. And I have it for two weeks, three weeks, whatever, just like normal borrowing something from the library. And then I assume when I'm done with, I haven't had it. It hasn't been two weeks yet, but I assume when that time is up, I either have to renew it or send it back and it takes it off my off your thing. my device. I, I um, can, can I add a, cool. a plug for like I support that all that stuff, like modern day libraries. Like I want to like put that on record. I think they're people sure. who you're explaining this this cool app interface that they have. But libraries are amazing these days. They have not slowed down and unlike um like newspapers or you know things that are dying because of technology but that libraries are one industry that should have died because of that kind of stuff but have only <laughs> public libraries have evolved and become better and branched out Embraced. and and they yeah. they do board games video games movies digital media audio books and then normal books comic books graphic novels um if you haven't been to your public library in a while, don't think it's just a row of books with a Dewey Decimal System, you know, card catalog. It's nothing like it was before. And it's super cool. People should go visit it more often. Nice. Nice. Uh, what, did, what did I... Oh, I watched a movie... Ugh, I'm, I'm just going to say this. I watched a trailer for a movie. It was funny looking. It was called The Greatest Beer Run. Mm. About... A guy, like a true story about a guy in Vietnam who decided he's from, he's in New York and he's going to, he's got nothing going on in his life. So he's going to take his buddies who were over in Vietnam, a beer from the, from New York. And he takes a trip, gets on a boat and takes a backpack with, or a duffel bag with beer in it and tries to find his buddy in Vietnam. It's a terrible idea, right? And his, his his friend is still in Vietnam. Oh, friends, uh, plural. There's like four of them. Okay. Right. Well, I mean, and he's there's they're still over there. Is yes, it correct. A period. Yes. Film? While combat's still happening, all that okay. stuff. And this is. I know that I I I kind of uh, poked a little fun at you when you said it wasn't you ex- what you expected comparing it to Cocaine Bear, but um, I did not watch the trailer. 
But from the title alone, I would not have guessed literally any of that. <laughs> no, for sure. Um, and the title and the trailer makes it sound like it's a it's a comedy. They go there and hilarity yeah. ensues and like know. old school or yes, yes, like right. That. Uh, um, what's the speaking of old school? It's it's the guy that's in like um, high school music. Zac Efron. Uh, okay. is the main character in that. And he's actually a pretty good actor, so I'm not knocking that. From, from Greatest Showman. Greatest Showman, exactly. Um, so, but yeah, I, I don't want to go too deep into it because it's not worth it, but the it, it was billed 100% as a comedy. The trailer's all laugh out loud stuff. There's a show's called mm. The Greatest Beer Run, right? We expect it. Troy and I sat down to watch it, expecting it to be, we're going to drink a bunch of beers and watch this and have, have a fun time. Um, it's not that at all. It's actually very serious. You know, it's, it's hmm. the, the guy is people in the neighborhood are in America are losing their, their sons and daughters in, in the war hmm. and their friends are dying and they're, you know, they're struggling with it and, and what to do. And then there's discontent in li- families about protesting against a the little war. bit like, um, uh, deer hunter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like that, that. we watched with Meryl Streep and, um, and, and De Niro. Yeah. Robert De Niro. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, very similar kind of subject matter. And then he goes over there into, you know, into this place to deliver beers, which is, you know, so it's got that, like, why is he taking like four packs of cases? It was just, there's a lot of <laughs> nonsense to it, um, which makes sure. it the, the funny parts. By the way, everything that was funny was in that trailer. Everything is, the rest of it is oh. zero a- extra funny in it. Um, and I, and I, and I sound like I'm knocking it. I'm only knocking it because they build it incorrectly and they marketed it one right. way. The show right. itself is actually pretty good. And and it's a good, like, obviously the guy, it's got that thing where the guy realizes that Vietnam War is a lot more than just like, yay, yay, go America. Um, right. And, and that there's a lot of things that are going there that aren't great. Napalming, you know, jungles and children yep. blowing things up and also terrified of just someone walking down the street. Or, uh, Charlie don't surf. Just a ton of stuff, right? So, and yeah. they try to they try hit hit a lot of that along the way, and he's got a good emotional arc to it. Um, so it's a good movie in itself with that, but just like the trailer, yeah, it's like this else. is not. We we end up watching it all kind of very you know sober is the right word. We're just kind of quiet watching it all, and they're like, we're done. Okay, that was pretty good, but that's not the evening that we expected to have. Right, <laughs> right, right. Um, so anyway, have, yeah. have speaking of trailers. Um, I don't know any of the details of this. I heard it on another podcast. Um, but apparently a group of fans, people, moviegoers, um, sued a studio. I forget which studio it would be um, because of the trailer to a movie had Ana de Armas in it. Oh, I've heard this. Yeah, okay, yeah. Kni- Knives Out and, uh, and, and Blade Runner 2049. Mm-hmm. And she's not in the movie in the final I've heard cut of the this. movie. Yeah. Um, and and they won. I don't know what you win for that. It's like the the meme they win their on t- TikTok their ticket money back <laughs> emotional damage. Right, yeah. Um. But when the guys on the podcast named the movie, which was the movie yesterday, which we oh, yes. watched. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. I don't yeah. know if we watched it for the podcast, but they said that, and I was like. Oh yeah, I remember seeing the trailer yep. and seeing she like he's on he's on a talk show and Ana de Armas is like the other 
guest, right? right? You know how talk shows do that. They have several guests. Yes, and I so they'll, this. Both, they'll sort of stack up in their interview. And he starts playing um, something in the way she moves, uh, whatever the title of that Beatles, Beatles song is. Yeah. <laughs> and and she's and she's sort of swooning mm-hmm. and Lily James his his friend friend's own girlfriend is watching um and you know you can see the sort of jealousy in this whole interchange and that scene is cut from the movie right. like it's not there and I was like oh that's cuz I remember watching it and going oh I guess Anna Armisen isn't in this at all mm-hmm. and uh <laughs> that was just a funny um, No they did, they did I remember that they sued for that one um and I do remember that that scene. Not, it was like in an extras or something like that. They have it on the bonus things when you right. watch it, um, which is a good scene. I, I remember the director saying that they didn't want to have this, you know, sad competition type thing for sure. his interest. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Especially if she's not a, and there isn't. I don't know. That's a whole thing about that movie. Right. Um, but, I don't. I don't feel like there's a strong theme of like real jealousy between her and other women it's just him dealing with like being a nobody to then being famous yes, for singing right. all these incredible right. songs and that's what they cut. that that he didn't write and it's right. a different kind of story but it's crazy that they, that, that they won because the ankle then you have things like the rogue one which was like none of almost none of the scenes made it from the trailer to the actual movie because right. they recut right. it and it made it where marketing people or directors and everything have to like set things in stone before they release the movie and not validate, you know, reshoots. Yeah. It's a weird, it's a weird thing because I know, um, shoot, you just said this, you were talking about search for Spock, um, Mm -hmm. off the air. And I remember reading this because when I was in high school, I was going to do, I mean, I was homeschooled, but I was going to do like a paper on star Trek stuff. Yeah. And so I got the books like, you know, Leonard Nimoy had two autobiographies. I am not Spock and I am Spock. And I think James Doohan had one and a couple others. And so I read so much of this like background stuff, most most of which I've forgotten. Um, but somewhere in one of those, maybe in like the, uh, the book about Star Trek Phase 2, which was their planned sequel um, early in like the late seventies, early eighties, it ended up becoming uh star Trek, the motion picture, right? Yeah. They were working on a second series called star Trek phase two. And they had like designs for shuttlecraft and all this stuff. Um, but somewhere in there, they were talking about the wrath of Khan and, um, uh, is it wrath of Khan? No, it's search for Spock. That's what I said. Search for Spock. Um, is that right? I don't know. Yeah. Whichever movie where the Enterprise crashes, like burns up, gets destroyed. They all get destroyed. In the, and everyone, right? No, in, in in the atmosphere, but in the original, like there are only two. I think the like the Enterprise A and maybe B okay. in the in the original cast movies, and then okay. of course in four they have a the bird of prey, the Klingon right. um, ship, but the the director or producers, whatever on the movie wanted to keep it a secret, right? Wanted it to be a big surprise reveal that the ship gets destroyed. Mm -hmm. And as is, was done then and is still done. Now the team making trailers is completely different 
from the production team for the film. They are, right? Sometimes and, they don't even talk to the director, which is a thing. Right. They they give them footage and the you know, the studio tells them make a trailer and they make a trailer. Um and they showed the ship like burning up in atmosphere over a planet and the and the title text was you know, the eighties, whatever, like the final voyage of the USS Enterprise. And they're like, <laughs> they spoiled it. They're spoiling the spoiled big, they, um, they did it like in the eighties and nineties that they yeah. spoiled a lot of things. And so you get, and I'm sure it, it depends on, it depends on the studio. It depends on the, you know, how much budget they have, because I know um, we talked about this at length with uh, Avengers Endgame, right? Which is a sequel mm-hmm. part two to, uh, to Infinity War, the Infinity Saga, where the trailer, trailer, trailers for that movie has so much in it. Yeah. But then I sat down in the theater to watch it, and all that stuff in the trailer is in the first, like, half hour right. of a yeah. three and a half, four hour movie. And I'm like, what? 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 Now what's going to happen? Uh, what, what else every, is left? Every, right. <laughs> everything I was looking forward to, they already did. Or, or and, now, and they know, actually, like, Five years later, too, right? Like in, in that when they changed the colors of their outfits and they edited out the Hulk, here, and here's the scene in the, or of course the, the most, um, infamous one in recent memory, Spider-Man: No Way Home. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. No Way Home, where they, um, you know, photoshopped characters out of the trailer to not, you know, and I only know that because I watched YouTube videos where they're like, look at this. He's looking the, down. The, yeah. The croc, whatever, um, is his head moves like he's being punched, but there's nobody there. Mm-hmm. So they they removed somebody who's there, and I bet it's this person. Right. And then when I, you know, I when I saw the movie, I saw that scene, and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, there he is. They, they, they photoshopped him out. Yeah, yeah. The, the, Sneaky. It's, so I I don't understand why the judge could have. It, you know, weighed in on on the, against Hollywood on that one because it feels like a really restrictive thing to. That's weird. It's it's probably a a kind of a kind of fascinating story. But anyway, right. Right. Uh, so the greatest beer run ever was not what the trailer no, sold. No, and I mean, I I ran into this with Cocaine Bear. It's one we said recently, but this one is even right. more than Cocaine Bear. Cocaine Bear, at least you knew there's a bear attacking, and and it did have a lot of comedy in it. So. Yeah, this this was not that one. Not knocking it, I'd still give it a a thumb sideways, not up or down. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, okay. So m- moving moving on from there, let's do our uh, let's do our movie of the week this week before we get into anything else because we we we're in a chatty mood tonight, Dennis. We're we're running over on some things. You know, we we started late and we don't have a lot of official topics, and we always run longest when we don't have a. Plan. <laughs> Don't have a more out plan. That's correct. All right, so let's talk about our show. All right, this week we watched Red Dawn from 1984. Oh, that explains a little bit. Um, <laughs> what, what did you just get revealed? You're, you're looking at IMDb. What was it? I don't know. This is this is pre uh, Back to the Future. Is all I was saying. Okay, you're um, like that explains it. Was it because of uh um the the moms in it? Leah Thompson. Leah Thompson I I did not recognize her through this whole movie. Oh, I when and I then, when I talked to her last year, like when I got to interview her, I talked about Red Dawn. It was great. Nice, nice. 
It also maybe from like, Dan- Dirty Dancing's in it. Is it Jennifer Grey? Right. J- J- Jennifer Grey, who is also um, uh, Ferris Bueller's sister. But there's actually a lot of people in here. Like Power, you saw Power's yeah, Booth, yeah. right? So, so Power's Booth, Charlie Sheen. I Charlie definitely Sheen. didn't recognize Charlie he's, Sheen. He's See Thomas Howell. Um, he's the little brother. Uh, Patrick Swayze, Leah Thompson, we already said. Jennifer Grey. Um, Harry Dean Stanton. Uh, Powers Booth, we mentioned yeah. uh, just a lot of um, a couple other. I saw the I saw the Mean Dad from from uh, uh, Lane Smith from um, uh, uh, Mighty Ducks. Oh, yeah, <laughs> drawing a blank there. He's the yeah. mayor, yeah. right? Weasel. It means you one scene. Yeah. Um. Now you have you've not seen this one, right? You didn't see this one. Yeah. I had seen this and I didn't know what to expect. It it starts off with with an, at eleven. Right? Yeah, with it the, doesn't like yeah, the, totally the right. Pedal I, I, all the way down, like yeah. from out of nowhere, these guys come and you're like, what's going on? It's very lean on the on the world building. There are some title cards at the beginning. They're like, this right. happened, this happened, and this happened. I'm I and was now here we are. For it, though. I, I was like, am I gonna have to watch thirty minutes of learning about the lives of these teenagers and no, mm-hmm. not, you, like Mm-mm. 35 seconds maybe of them. Right. Yeah. And and then, then the bad guys invade. I thought, yeah. I thought, uh, my memory of this was that they were Russian. Now there's Russians with them, but it's, it's primarily a lot of different countries. I think they were doing more like Cuba and just communist it's Cuba. Countries. I, th- I think it's, yeah, I think it's supposed to be a sort of, uneasy coalition of of communist countries a little bit of domino theory um right kind of stuff and it's 1984 right so Mm -hmm. this is very you know we talk about movies you know that hold up or or age this is a movie that i think i don't know the scope is small so if you don't understand the the geopolitical Mm -hmm. like what ifs that the writers use to to set up you could still get the essence of the movie, but you kind of have to understand this like 1980s patriotism with, you know, several decades of like what we know from in retrospect is nearing the end of the cold war. Yeah. um, To know this like combination of, of fear, but also like we're almost at the end of that, that generation of, of, of fear yeah the, the, the well that fear now, right the, now they, they've they've remade this i think in 2012 with a, a hemsworth um and right and and my conversation i watched that as well after this one so my conversation will probably reference both things um so okay. why you said this one was with the cold war the one in 2012 obviously wasn't but they used north korea as a stand-in for for that sure stuff. sure uh, so it well, and like While I said, the Cold War, it was still the, like foreign. The details, the, even even down to the characters, like the details of the story, are somewhat universal. Yes, right. You would I have agree. to yes. you would have to change the labels and different things. But like the the um, the officer who's uh, Spanish Cuban, um, I think mm-hmm. he's Cuban, mm-hmm. dealing with. Now being on the other side of like 
guerrilla fighting and tactics. Um, That all could be, you know, uh, reskinned, as we say in video game terms. And 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 the 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 human elements of that story are the same. I mean, you could you could pick all of this up and put it in ancient Rome and probably make it work. Totally, absolutely, Um, right. Because it was just kind of basically. I mean, the, the 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 overall story here is a foreign invaders invading your home and you defending it via guerrilla tactics, right? Basically, like, yeah. and, and and a kind of a key component is that they're basically teenagers; they're high school kids with one right. college age kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and for and for a minute they have powers booth with them, right? And for a minute they have an actual army. So uh, overall, what'd you think of of the show? Um, it wasn't what I expected. Mm. the The timeline of it was much more protracted than I anticipated. Yeah. Um, and of course, as it's going, as they're like almost immediately just fleeing the 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 invasion, I'm like, okay, what's what's going to happen here? And then they're just hiding in the woods. Yeah, that's just like, that's okay, a lot of like that gorilla stuff. Interesting. And then they meet the guy, and he sends the girls with them, and I'm like. Okay, so they needed some way for love interest characters to show, but they weren't really. They like, weren't I really. Expected, yeah, a, they don't do I that. I expected really. there to be romance between um, Patrick Swayze and and Jennifer Grey, just like Dirty Dancing. Yeah. And, uh, and and there's and, a little bit of, of it, but just like little nods, right? That's about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, because they're being, I think they're somewhat trying to be somewhat realistic, and that these people are just surviving, maybe. Right. I don't know. The, I I think um, I think the same thing too. It's like I I enjoy it. I enjoyed it, uh, but the story is there's I, mean, I don't know, there's not a lot of story. I guess not a big large no beats. I guess you'd say it it is it is literally like one year. It's them surviving from through the winter into the spring and such. With with a few things like when they met Powers Booth when they meet the military guy in in the 2010 version they meet three different people. Um, hmm. and one of them is, uh, Richard Dean Morgan. Is that his name? I say his name, Richard. Okay. He, we just watched him in the losers. Um, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. And, uh, he, he was the powers booth character, but there was other two other military people with him. Um, and so there's that, there's the part where they go into town a couple of times and they meet their, like they see their parents, um, and but but really, there's not there's not like a whole bunch of beginning, middle, and end things, or there's not character yeah. progression. It's it's mm-hmm. kind of a, it's well, you know what? It's a war movie. This does get tagged as a war movie, and a lot of war movies are just you know what's it like to be in war, and how do you survive sure. it? Sure. And that's kind of what this did, right? There wasn't a whole lot of you say character development for things. The the 2012 movie tries mm-hmm. to do that tries to add it to this, but it's the worst for it. Like those parts are, yeah. I don't want to learn about how this kid was a cocky uh, football quarterback. And, and now he's trying to see, you know, work as a team player. I don't care about any of that. Right. That's makes it mm. worse. Um, right. The most, the most of that this movie has is the, the, um, the main characters is dad, right. Who was yeah. real hard on them. And now they're tough because of it which is yeah. a weird a weird sort of moral to a movie but you know 
probably oh, for the fairly 84s, poignant it was in, great. in 1984. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In 84, it was like, you know, listen to your parents. They know what they're talking about type thing. Uh, yeah, this right. this was definitely a weird, not from necessarily those phrase words, but yes, from a, almost a gun right type thing, almost, if you want to get political into it. Um, kind of, yeah. Because yeah. the, the, the and there are just hints of this where I'm like, Okay, are they are they trying to say something here or is this just like you know, here's the thing that would most likely happen like the insurgent the insurgents the invaders um go to the stores like the hmm. stores that would sell guns and he says, you know, you're going to look for the records, right? And I'm like, are they doing something here? Are they saying something about um gun gun permits, gun registration? Um, you know, back, yeah. not background checks, but like records of who bought guns to, to see. And, uh, you know, they basically loot the store at the yeah. beginning of the movie. So it's not, you know, there's nothing too, uh, too complex about that. And then it's one of those things that I'm generally fine with where the movie is just telling you that there's a lot of big stuff happening somewhere else, mm -hmm. but this is just a small kind of. French resistance kind of World War II, you know, it's, it's World War II French resistance kind of and kind of focused, story. You're like, yeah. yeah, the front line is somewhere over there, and they've already nuked, you know, DC and and a couple other things, and nobody's using any more nukes, and they, you know, disabled our nukes so that we couldn't retaliate Denver and whatever. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, yeah, kept kept the the story small, but I think. I don't know. I mean, I have mixed feelings about that because I it maybe would have helped me to to empathize more with the characters, but I I the movie also didn't really waste much time. It, like there was always something happening. There was always some kind of action seeing they were waiting for somebody or they're ambushing somebody and they're showing us the name painted everywhere and how the the Russians and Spanish or the Cubans don't um don't know what Wolverines are yeah and so they're 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 trying to figure that out like there wasn't extra there wasn't really extra runtime in the script to do more of this but I I, I agree it was really tight I, it actually really was I for the most part was was indifferent to most of it like sure. I didn't know most of the characters I was like okay they're sort of hinting at this thing where Leah Thompson's character was assaulted at some point, but they're they're not really delving into it at all, which is sort of fine. And there's a, a there's a unique relationship between the two brothers and their dad that's that's there a little bit in the beginning and then at the end, and then and and the and there's a one of the guys who you know, uh, gets a little bloodthirsty, a little bloodlust. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. Um, and you know, characters die along the way and a little bit of spoilers. Most of them die. Most of them um, die. Yeah. Which, which that's a kind of, that, that was a little bit surprising the first time I watched it. And even this time remembering that like, man, that's right. Like well into the majority of them don't make it through, even though they make it through most of the movie, Several of them do Dirty Dozen style and, and don't make it, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's very last full measure. Um, 
kind of thing, which is fine, but there were enough characters, there were so many characters with so little character development that I mostly didn't care. Yeah, I I think that some of the comments on about this this show and this movie in general is um it's got a great premise. It's it doesn't just all the things you said before. It doesn't really waste your time. It's not heavy on extra stuff it doesn't need. Um it does move along. They are progressing. They are happening, but it it some people would say it's a positive also that you don't know enough about these things. It's left open to your imagination or that you can think about it. But on the other hand, that's also a detriment to it. Is it like, there's not a lot of character development. You want to know more, but they never give it to you. Um, so yeah, it, I don't know. I don't know if it wants to be like a TV series, TV series where, you know, like a Jericho kind of thing. I don't know if you ever saw Jericho. Mm-hmm. Um, that's also got uh, um, Hurst from Deadwood. He's in that as the sort of mayor, or maybe the other mayor. I forget. There's like a there's like a mayor conflict. Um, that's a similar kind of story where like most of the world gets nuked, and these people are just in this town in Kansas, cut off. Uh, the closest city is Denver, and they see Denver getting nuked, yeah. and so they just survive. Um, now there, but was, there, there was a web there ends series. up being a lot of like like petty petty small town politics and and stuff like that and character stuff that that gets a little tedious after a season or two so i don't know if it if it wants that but maybe like a mini series limited series like you know eight or ten one hour episodes to just really flesh out these characters and then we have some uh, investment or or empathy for them when they um, ultimately uh, bite the book get killed off. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. I and that's actually a really good good um, recommendation. I think that it. I think this is a good uh, story to make into a longer form. Now that we have these kind of things, that this would this definitely would. You could you could because uh, in this one this version they didn't do it a lot in the 2012 version, but in this version they they did spend a lot of time with the the enemy not a lot of time but they spent time with the enemy and them talking about stuff and what i actually mm-hmm. found interesting is that in the original when i watched it i remember now is they did they never had subtitles for the conversations of like mm. the the enemy they were just speaking a different language for good stretches you don't know what was happening um and i believe that that's a i mean obviously it was intentional but i believe that the director of this show this movie, like we talked about not knowing things. I think that was very important to him because, because the people on the ground don't know what's going on. The kids don't know really what's going on. There's a lot of completely unknowns and they have to react to just what they don't know. Um, so the director does a whole bunch of that. You don't, you don't know the characters. You don't know the people you're going to get. You don't know what's going to happen. The enemy is speaking a different language and they're obviously saying things that are important, but you don't know what it is. Now you can actually go nowadays, which I did to this, on this viewing and download the, the uh, subtitles that show what they're saying. Um, right. Which kind of changes, yeah, I, changes the movie. I actually started when I started the movie, cause I watch everything with subtitles. Mm-hmm. Um, it got to that point where they're, they're talking and I was like, 
oh, they are speaking Spanish. I thought that was just the kids being stupid mm-hmm. when they're like, some people are speaking Spanish. I'm like, they're obviously Russians. Why would they be speaking Spanish? But there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of information in those title cards. Um, and, and, and then that's I, not in the movie. Like those are added subtitles. They're not in, they, unlike other movies when they speak Spanish or a different non-English thing on an English movie, they have subtitles on it. They do mm. not for this. Which is yeah, I, I went back and switched my subtitles so I had them both. And I'm like, okay, yeah. well, I probably could have guessed what he was saying from... But, but that, again, that's where he says all the stuff about, uh, you know, looking for gun sales records to figure out... Yeah. yeah. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't explain it all, but what's implied is that that's how they'll know who has a bunch of guns and who they need to track, you know, track what? down and weed out to, to yeah. you know, pacify the population there's a whole scene where the guy comes in and he's a russian guy and he says that he hunts foxes and how do you hunt foxes and he's a hunter right and that's, and that that's like is, the beginning of the third act right and that none of that is subtitled it's just a whole meeting of them speaking different languages and there's nothing oh, you don't weird. know what's, what's being said um that's which, that's a strange creative choice it is a strange creative choice so anyway i think that has to be obviously it was very intentional and that's one thing that fans of this show, I think, actually liked was this complete mystery of I, there's so much more here. And it's one of those there's a great big world that we don't know of and right. leaves it to our imagination. Some people absolutely love that. Some people are like, no, I hate that now I'll never actually know and be able to explore and see those things. Um, so right. I, mean, I get that, too. But And it was probably a time in history where... Um, the Cold War had been going on long enough that this kind of movie was not going to, you know, create a, a massive, like, panic or backlash, yeah. right? If you tried to make it in, like, the 60s mm, sure. or, you know, 70s when Vietnam was going on, it would have been a huge, like, it would have been a big deal, like, positively and negatively. Yeah. But in 1984, enough time has gone by that you're like, yeah, this is kind of what we're living under this this existential threat of like those people who are the enemy could come and it's far enough removed from actual threat, you know, Vietnam or Cuban missile crisis or any of that to be this kind of vague thing that you can see in a movie and not be, you know, be affected by it but not like uh uh like debilitatingly effective. I, I don't know what word, what adjective yeah. I want to use for that, but um, you get what I'm trying to say. Yeah, for sure. So uh, wrapping this one up, I, I, I did enjoy the show. It's not a bad show, in, but in any way, and, and to your, to your very good point out is it's not like they're, it's dragging on or I feel like they're putting a lot of stuff up or whatever. Um, and it does have an ending that's, you know, an ending, but mm-hmm. um, it, it, it leaves a lot to, to be explained, explored, but I don't know if I want, I wouldn't want another movie, right? I think that's not what I want, but I, I like no. your suggestion of a series. I could watch this show in an eight episode series that mini series. I'm surprised. Right? I'm surprised this movie isn't based on a book, at least as far as I can tell. I'm right. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It feels like, uh, you know, not, not a huge novel, but like a decent sized novel adapted into a film where like 
yeah, there's a bunch of story here, but we don't have time to tell it all. We don't have time to tell uh, it all. They didn't. They just didn't. They just didn't tell you anything. So, but yeah, that that you're right. That would fit if it the way it, the feeling of it is. Um, but yeah, that's not not the case. So yeah, maybe maybe someday we'll get the actual because the I I will say that the the 2012 uh, Red Dawn um, was not as good as this one um, because they tried to put characterizations in with some pe- people. Um, the kids, the, the teens in the 2012 version are CW teens, right? So they're, they're just selfish, self-centered. Mm-hmm. They, it's drama. It's teen drama. And like in Gross. this 84 version, there wasn't a ton of that. I think at the very beginning, Jed's like Patrick Swayze's like, we're not having this kind of drama stuff. I'm in charge. That's it. Um, yeah. And then and they, they lay down the law. And, the, and this other one, it's just a ton of drama that they add for the sake of, air quotes, character development. Um, mm. and, the, and then the actors that they chose, Hemsworth is, is fine. And he's, he plays the Patrick Swayze character. But, sure. but um, they do change the story. I won't say how, but they change the story and things happen differently. Um, and then his brother which was the Charlie Sheen character is played by an actor that just isn't that great. He's mm. not, he's not, he's not great. He's just like, you don't want him on the screen and you, you put up with him <laughs> just so he's on the screen, but then he's the main character and you're like, ugh, mm. it's just, you don't, you know, when it ends and he's the main character, you're like, I, I wasted my time. Cause I was hoping everything else was more interesting and we could a- a- avoid this guy. But then you're like, Nope, the story was about him. Like okay, well then now right. I don't want to watch that that movie anymore. Um, so yeah, I I I give it a thumbs up as a fine afternoon watch. Uh, I think that who I would recommend this to is people who like war movies and were alive during the Cold War. Um, otherwise, that I wouldn't I wouldn't show it to my kids because they would be bored of it and they don't know anybody. Yeah. It, do, it does say on IMDb that at the time this movie made the Guinness Book of World Records for most acts of violence in a movie. In a really? At, at the time. Uh, 2.23 per minute on average. They, they were always fighting. They were always fighting. Yeah, ba- basically always fighting. So if you like that stuff in this kind of 80s guerrilla tactics kind of thing this movie might appeal to you otherwise yeah i i struggle to think of who i would recommend this to yeah i i do th- guys our age how's that a, <laughs> yeah yeah probably m- maybe that's it and, or, and just a older yeah yeah okay so it's your it's your turn what do you got for us next week all right um i'm i'm cheating a little bit here but this is true for me as it is for for our buddy fox um there's a there's a gap in my uh, middle aged white nerd uh, uh, movie culture history. Well, is there several? We've talked about that. Right? <laughs> like, um, wait, there, this is Dennis. Uh, you're talking. This is why how this became a thing, right? Yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> um, those those were his words, and I'm repeating them sure. because they're true for me as well. Um, I'm talking about the 1980 uh, Queen music video, Flash Gordon. <laughs> that- like how you put that well done uh this was based flash gordon is based on like i want to say 1930s or 40s or even maybe before um like like pulp cereals yes pulp cereals comics type stuff yeah um so then they made it into a 
a, a movie. They might have even made it into a TV show before that in the '60s or something. Like um, an old with puppets with marionettes. I saw I saw this when I was oh wait a minute I another one this. I saw this when I was a kid, like a kid kid. So mm-hmm. it came out in eighty. I bet you I watched it like on reruns or something when I was seven or eight maybe. Um, and I remember digging it like it was pretty cool because it was sci-fi and you know there's What's not a, a whole rerun. We said this before. There's not a whole lot of sci-fi or fantasy back then. So you right, know, you get Star Trek. It's pretty cool, right? That's why Star Wars was yeah. so good. This is post Star Wars. Yeah, and, and anything you can, anything you can uh, get with that, you pretty much ate up as much as you can once, one maybe every two or three years. Um, right. So, I enjoyed it, but I also remember it being really weird, even for a kid. Um, hmm. I've seen bits and pieces since then, but I have not seen it before. So it'll be interesting to to watch it. Hey, I, something I want to say, Dennis, I'm gonna add to our list. I thought about this weekend because i played an arcade game of it curl look up that we'll look i'm adding it to our list we'll watch it here soon have you ever heard of that curl k-r-u-l-l oh u-l not not curl like nick curl (laughs) yeah i don't know curl yeah it's a 1983 yeah it's it's very much the reason i mention it is because it's very much like a flash gordon-esque type show um it's it's weird he's got like a boomerang that has five star five points to it i don't recognize any of these act oh there's liam neeson oh liam neeson's okay i wouldn't expect anybody so we'll watch that after this one but and robbie coltrane now that i we we get to watch this interesting 80s flash gordon we'll see what and i have not seen crawl since i was a little kid so it's hagrid hagrid is in this no no kid in flash gordon or in crawl in crawl oh i I didn't know hagrid did anything else so yeah there we go Cool, man. Oh, All right. And this guy from F- Flash Gordon. Van Helsing and other things. Alan okay. Armstrong. So what, what do we got here? We've got a little time left. Um, let's, let's hit, uh, even though we've only got a few episodes left, let's say, how are you feeling about Ted Lasso season three? You know, it's, it's difficult for me, I think, to be objective about this series. Okay. And I don't. I don't know if that's fair or unfair to say. I just, I watch every episode every week, and no matter what happens, I come away from it just going, this is amazing. This is great. I love this I so much. I um, and I don't know if that's, you know, if it's if it's actually amazing, and I'm just recognizing it, or if it's two seasons worth of, amazing characters amazing writing amazing acting performances have just built up enough a goodwill good faith in me that whatever they do i'm like yeah this is great this is gonna be this this is perfect that that you're just spending time with these wonderful people i mean to an extent um but of course they're all broken people in various mm-hmm. ways and yeah. so they're oh, they're sure, sometimes yeah. they're sometimes not particularly enjoyable to spend time with oh, yeah. um but i think i think i just i mean in addition to all the things i already said about it you know the, the writing the acting all of it being great i also trust the writers that when something happens that i don't like i know that they're going to bring it around and do something there's amazing with it yeah yeah well okay so um i I will only add to that by saying 
Jason Sudeikis continues to be a surprising actor who before this was, I always thought him as a goofy comedy guy only. Um, and this I mean, season he's just, just right. Just doing now he's just doing amazing acting that that's all. I, I don't even want to say except that like, wow, when I, when I watch him, you know, when, especially when he deals with his panic attack things or stuff with his, his uh, ex-wife whatever, and his son, whatever, those things. whatever emotions. I mean, you know, he he starts this series and, you know, there's a whole thing there about, like, why is he Ted Lasso, right? Why is mm-hmm. he the way he is, just just chipper and upbeat? And is yeah. it, you know, uh, well, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, right? Yeah. That, like, you know, the some of the characters, they explore their backstories and you understand that, like, oh, he's an asshole because of this with his with his dad. And it's never quite that simple. But mm-hmm. to a certain extent, it really is. Yeah. And and Ted is this sort of not quite Mr. Rogers kind of character where there is pain in his life. And there's a there's a great deal of pain. And we get that pretty early on, like in season one, when his wife and son come to visit mm-hmm. his ex-wife. And... um to some extent the way that he is is the way the way that he behaves the way that he interacts with the world and with other people is his reaction and response and and mechanism for coping with yeah that. yeah they they there's a there's one quick shot in season two when he decides to, or he meets the doctors, where he meets the therapist doctor, mm-hmm. uh, which is, by the way, it was brilliant of them to bring in a therapist for the team. That just seems like a weird thing for a show to have, talk about. And then we realize it's like the core of the show, mental health and such. Um, yeah. But uh, she, um, he talks, he's talking to her and his, he talks to her most of season two in his Ted mm-hmm. way, right? Very positive, uplifting, happy type things, you know, uh, encouraging. And then, uh, he says like something to her about like, haven't you met me duck? I'm, I'm very personable. And she is, and she gets him to a T in just like one sentence. Like, and I won't get it right exactly, but he, she says something like, yeah, Ted, that you're, you're very charming. It's you use it to disarm people so that you can't talk about what is causing the problems and it makes them vulnerable to you and you feel less. And she's like, she pegs him right away. And he looks at her and he's mm-hmm. like, I got to go. And then leaves. Um, <laughs> and you're like, wow you wonder what ted is and why ted is the the thing way it is she's got it figured out you know that's what makes her an amazing therapist so okay right without us gushing about ted in the the last you know five (laughs) minutes uh let's let's focus this a little bit and i'll ask you questions and you go through and give me your uh quick thoughts on them how's that okay sure how do you feel this season we see um we start off if you're gonna can you do a spoiler bell for us so we can talk some of season three? Yeah, spoilers? yeah. We are what like six ish episodes into actually I could probably find out here real quick. I think we're pretty uh, far. Into do, 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 Ted Lasso. We are five episodes into season three of Ted Lasso. And we're gonna talk in detail about the plot elements so far. So if you're waiting till the season is done to watch it or you're you haven't seen the series at all go watch it because it's flipping amazing um but we're going to talk details so if you don't want to get spoiled skip ahead i'm gonna hit the bell here all right hit me okay 
So this season, I'm going to ask you a couple of key things, and then you tell me how you feel about them uh, as it pertains to the characters that we've seen develop, where they're at, and where. And I'd also like to hear where do you think that they're going to go with this. Okay. So um, first off, we talk about Keely and Roy. Um, at the end of the last season, they weren't having problems, but they were going into a different direction with their life. Keely was going to start a business. Uh, Roy was starting to come around with a whole different way of thinking of life, being a coach. He transitioned, right? He's finally transitioned into this to this different life. Now we start the season with them being broke up, and they're not a couple together. And almost not an amicable breakup, but a Ted Lasso breakup, right? Where they've mm-hmm. talked about it and such. Um, a, a, but a, maybe a real, real life kind of breakup. Kind of breakup, of yeah. Dramatic right. sitcom breakup, sure. Right. Okay, so that's not necessarily where I'm going with there because I'm not sure where that's going. But I'm, but I'm interested in your thoughts of how what we see earlier in episode one or two that that Jamie, who has confessed love to Keely last season, very mm-hmm. kindly and and respectfully to Roy, let him know that we see him find out about this, and instead of following Keely to, you know, start getting on her good side he follows roy yep what did you think about that whole scene when he follows roy and goes to talk to roy about the breakup oh wow i (laughs) i surprisingly have a lot of thoughts about this i know it's Um, a great it's a great thing to think about i want to remind you we only have five minutes left in the show (laughs) oh gosh um i love i love the interactions between jamie and roy um, going from sort of rivals to now that Roy is not his rival, he, mm-hmm. you know, Jamie has been humbled enough between the things we've seen in previous seasons, between breaking up with Keeley and the, the reveal and the conflict with his dad to now dealing with, um, with Zava. Zava and being, you know, not being the, the star of the team, the, the, the hero anymore becoming there, there were hints of this in season two, but they're really um, digging into it here. Um, I think that uh, um, what word do I want to use here? Um, supportive male friendships are often underrepresented in media yes. in fiction. Uh-huh, okay. Um, I think especially now that we're opening up to um, seeing more different types of romantic relationships um, mm-hmm. explored and represented, it it becomes much more about shipping. Like everything is, you know, who's gonna who's gonna get with who and whatever, and it and it becomes difficult to um, do this kind of story. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Their their interactions, just like everything in this show, feel real, you know, in in all of the in all of the mess that that implies. I would even um, say sometimes it's ideal. Like they sometimes deal with things ideally, like how yeah. you should. It's almost like a a lesson on this is how you should react. Yeah, I mean, right. I I said that in earlier seasons. Like, yes, you did for for all that you know, whatever happens might not be what we the audience want to happen like that really was the most healthy thing for that character you know when 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 ted talks to his ex-wife and and 
syndrome. Like, it's difficult to watch because you're like, really, this is not like, can't she just, can't he just, you know, I want them. Mm -hmm. But you're like, no, this is, this make, this is the right thing to do. And it's, and it's hard. It's, it, it's hard for them and it's hard for us to watch. That, Um, that, that, that comes along with, uh, I don't want to skip too much because we'll go in a rabbit hole, but that happens again is echoed this season when he talks to his wife and, and he's troubled by her dating their ex psychiatrist, their their marriage counselor. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and there's all these things that the audience that you want to see kind of happen here. And he talks to her in, in a way that you don't want to hear him say, but he, he says the right thing about like, whatever I love you. He, like he says the words, I love you. I love our son. And no matter what shape our family is, I love our family. And he doesn't mean like marriage family. He means no. what they have here. Yeah. Um, and that's like heart wrenching because of the same reasons you just said about, it's not what you want. You want a, a t- made for TV bow put on this. Mm-hmm. Right. And, but Ted is doing what Ted is. And so, yeah, I, I don't want to go on to that state, but that, that is one, like you said, about relationships and how this show does that. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. so to answer your actual question, I love what they're doing with, with Jamie and Roy, and I'm excited to see um, where that goes, whether it involves romantic uh, 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 elements or, or story for either, the, not with each other, but, mm-hmm. but for the, because we're seeing some romantic stuff with Keeley's side of that story, but nothing with either of the, of the male characters here. Right. Um, so, so, yeah, so, I'm, okay. So I'm, what, what, what excited for let's, that. let's move on with this one in the same thread here. Uh, Zava is officially the Zava thread, I think is officially over in the, in the show. Thank God. Cause I was never a fan of the, the Zava thread, but um, as you had mentioned, yeah. I think maybe off air Zava was probably meant to be disliked, but, um, how do you feel they're going to go forward? He's more of a more of a story device than an actual. Yeah, person. I, I feel that I feel that he was Which is put rare in there in to to propel Jamie's character forward. How do you think that that's going to? How do you think what's going to happen with Jamie and the team dynamic now that Zava's gone? Oh, I d- I don't know. I mean, I mean, J- Jamie's been one working would, really one... hard with Roy. Yeah, one yeah. one would assume slash hope that he can move into an actual like leadership role in the team rather than the sort of uh, uh, egotistic showboat that he was before, or that Zava kind of was. For all of his high-minded words, he really did just come in and win them games and then bail. Yes. Okay, two, two, two last ones we'll wrap up here, okay? Uh, I, I don't think they're going to be too difficult, but I'd like to hear your thoughts on them. Ke- we're going to talk, I mean, I, there's so much to talk about, but I'm just going to s- stick with these two. Uh, Keely, since we're on doing this whole love triangle thing, Keely's got, this season has uh, a, her own business that it's kind of up in the air, whether it's good or not, or what, she's a great person and a great at her job, but whether it's going to succeed or not, do you think, because uh, she comes back now, and still works for Richmond. Like she seems to be in their office occasionally. Um, right. I'm not sure how I feel about Keeley running her own business and not being part of the, the Richmond team. Do you think that there's only, this is the last season. Do you think that they're going to end up with 
her sticking with her business, how's that character going to develop? Now she's got this kind of, I don't know what I call it love interest, but there's at least this other person that she's physically attracted to um, with Jack. Yeah. Where do you I, think they're going to go with Keely in this story? Boy, that's an that's another one that I don't know. I I was not I was not expecting this this uh, Jack relationship. There were hints of it that I di- I probably didn't quite notice just because there's so much else going on. Sure. Um, there there was potential for her to be, you know, in over her head as a, you know, she clearly has a talent for the work that she does, but there's Mm -hmm. a difference between that and being a manager, being a boss. Correct. Right. Um, That's the classic Michael Scott uh, uh, story. But in this last episode with Jack's help, she learns some of, some of the, those, those more difficult skills um, seemingly um, in that, you know, she doesn't go to the game. She lets her friend go. Uh, yeah. T- Tandy, Sh- Shandy, whatever her name is. Yeah. Um, which seems promising for her professional career. As far as personal romance stuff, I I don't know. I'm don't expecting. I'm expecting that we'll get a lot more story development along those lines in this week's episode. I, I hope so. I, um, I obviously I want her and Roy back together. I'd love for mm-hmm. them to end up together and, you know, have a happy ever after, but this is of Ted course. Lasso, which means that True. <laughs> not only does it not have to be expectations, um, it can show you that the world can be okay without having what you think is the ideal thing and how we can cope and deal with that and become health, have healthy relationships. So it could be, that Keely and Roy don't end up together, but we end up feeling okay with that for whatever reason that might be. That makes me a little scared because I, I really want Roy and Keely together. Um, but I'm not, but Ted Lasso teaches me things and, Mm. and I'm okay with that. And if this is, (laughs) if it's going to give me another, you know, moral of the story lesson here, I'm okay with these. I feel safe with the writers telling me that kind of thing. I think. Yeah. Um, okay, last I have one. A, I, have a, I have a feeling that's a that's a line we're going to uh, refer back to in the coming weeks. Yeah, may, maybe Lasso, we will. Ted Lasso teaches me things. Teaches me things. Okay, the, la- the last thing here, uh, and this is kind of a hard one, but Ted Lasso doesn't have villains unless you're talking about uh, Rebecca's Rupert? ex-husband. Rupert. Rupert, yep. He's. I think he's the only thing that's a true villain. Uh, but we are, you know, we really tried at the end of last season to make Nate into a villain. Um, mm-hmm. now we've had Nate villain in the first two or three episodes, but in the last two episodes, they're really trying to back to bring him back to humanizing him again. Um, mm-hmm. and especially this, this most recent one, um, yep. not, not to say that if you go back and watch season two and this season that Nate always wasn't human and has the, probably the most flaws of anyone in the entire show. Um, and the most reasons to be the way he is. But yep. how do you think that's going to play out with Nate? I mean, he's clearly wanting to make up with Ted, right? Maybe, 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 or, 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 or win, right? Just, just 
speed him, like still still holding on to that bitterness, that grudge. But I think, but he, but he seemed, did. Be, he already won. He like he beat him in on the field. He does, but I think he's finding that it's not satisfying. So yeah. there's something there's something more that he wants, and I think they're showing us enough ways that his new life is not satisfying it's not fulfilling mm-hmm. um it was uh a, you know fairly triumphant when uh when he actually has a conversation with jade i wondered from season two what they were doing with that character because the camera stays on her for a long time too yeah. too long for as small of a character as she she is at first right um and so is that as that whole uh, uh, sequence in this recent episode played out with the with the model and you know her Jade's little reactions to to things that he says to see mm-hmm. that it's you know to to sort of endear Nate to her. Um, I'm super fascinated to see where that goes, what what role she'll play in his life. Um, yeah in his story. Um, and then of course, whether or however that ties back to Ted and the Richmond, and the Richmond squad, I, I, I would yeah. like to see for my part, not like to see, but I, if I put on my, my fortune teller hat, um, I see the show ending with him coaching Richmond and Ted going back to America to be mm. with his family. Like not not necessarily married to his ex wife or, or anything, but like to be right. with his son and his family. Um, yeah. And and I, now I don't know if that ends up with Richmond winning the whole cup, you know, or whatever they mm-hmm. win in, in their in football. Um, right. But they that 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 could be up in the air whether they win or they don't win. I'd love to see them win, of course. Um, of course, that that my my knee jerk reaction to that is that it doesn't matter it it doesn't matter but 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 they um, do progress because this the is team. this has always been this has always been a sports show yeah <laughs> that that is i mean it's sports they're always playing football soccer but the the win or lose part of it is so so secondary to all of the character stories being told right i i um, the reason i say that i would like him to win is is because i would like it for the players like the other the other sure. secondary characters like danny i'd love them to win so danny can get it so sam can win so yeah. you know what i mean and and them guys. actually win not just zava win for them not just zava win for them right yeah i i would love for the non main characters to come away with this as like the, what they have been growing and learning and becoming a better team f- be fulfilled in that way. Now that's the only reason that one, but, but, you know, I also think that, you know, Ted being here isn't forever. I don't think Ted, I think Ted will move back and, and that will sure, you know, and him and beard will go away. And then, but what they got to do is they've got to, They've got to resolve Nate and Roy getting together somehow, or what, right. I don't know what they'll do with Roy too. But Roy seems happy. Not to mention that he's now kind of part of the Diamond Dogs, which was pretty mm-hmm, awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like he <laughs> he did he did a what is it the the monkey thing? Remember they were like doing uh, monkey voices, and then oh yeah yeah yeah, and then Roy goes like oh, oh. <laughs> that was so good. Uh, I I also I also love I mean 
uh, Trent Krim. Every character in the show is great, but right. to have Trent Krim, of course, go in the first two seasons from a kind of nemesis to, you know, mutual yeah. respect to now just having him there in the background to be a little bit of a like, I don't know, like to to just make faces and and react to things. <laughs> He's just uh, there, right? Is, it's so weird. Great. Uh, I I do wonder if the if the last episode will be something about like, um, the book comes out from Trent, and that's mm. what we've been watching is like his book, you know, sure, um, which would be pretty great. So uh, Ted Lasso, that's that's all we get to say for today. There's a lot more to talk about the show, but we are out of time with it. Um, I just absolutely love the show. I've said it before. I'll say it again. It's the one thing Wednesday comes. And if, if I don't remember it, then you post it or something. And I like run right to it to turn it on. <laughs> uh, I, I just love it. Um, and it's, and it's because of the actors and the writers all together, um, are phenomenal people. Um, I'm re- really happy for them. I'm, I'm, I'm sad that it'll be the last season, but I'm happy that they're doing it three seasons. We, you know, are very fortunate to have just three seasons. And, and I'm, is I'm it glad just three? I don't know why I thought it was going to be four. Now th- three is what they said. I mean, obviously they hold things back, but I think, uh, Sudek has said, he said three, they, he said they, what he said was they always meant it to be three. They wanted it to be in three. When people mm. say, is there more Ted Lasso? He said, we wanted this story to be three seasons and, and that's how we planned it. But he doesn't say, no, we're not having more Ted Lasso. He just says, mm. we wanted the story to be three seasons. Right. Right. So, the two different things. Those are two different things. So we don't don't really know. But that's it. That's what we got for Ted this week. All right. Well, you've been listening to the Front Porch. This is episode two hundred and ninety-three. Thanks as always to our friends at LRM Online. You can check them out. Our buddy Fox writes reviews on all the things. If you want to reach out to us and tell us your favorite characters slash predictions for Ted Lasso or your favorite uh, uh, Cold War war movies. You can do that via email. Our address is frontporchpod, all one word, at gmail.com. Or if you go to our website, frontporchpodcast.com, you can find contact forms there to reach out to us and show notes for episodes where appropriate, where applicable. If you enjoy the Front Porch, please consider subscribing on the podcatcher of your choice. And while you're there, if you would leave us a positive review, we always appreciate that. It helps us out a lot. As always, thanks so much for joining us. And until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. For the Front Porch. Night, everybody. See you next time.